Hello and welcome back to another edition of NAMT Radio. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and have we got a great discussion coming up today. Today's topic is recruiting the next generation through high school EMS programs. And our guest today, one person is actually running one of those aforementioned high school programs, and one of them is actually administering it at the state level. So I'd like to bring in Chief Julius Jackson from Eastern High School in Washington, D.C., and John Cavell from the Bureau of EMS from the Louisiana Department of Health. Gentlemen, welcome to NEMT Radio. Thank you, Rob. It's great to be here. Good afternoon, Rob. Thanks indeed. I've given your names and titles, but give us a little bit of your own backstories. I'm going to start with you, John. I came into EMS in a rather roundabout way. I, my background is actually as an educator. I was a high school teacher, coach, worked my way up to being a principal and a district administrator before retiring in 2016. I took a year off and then the Louisiana Bureau of EMS was undergoing some changes and our newly appointed director at the time, Director Susan Bailey, who's currently the president of NAEMT, was looking to hire a state education manager. That role had become vacant. And some friends of mine that were somewhat familiar with this reached out because the real focus was going to be on administration. The idea of being able to not so much teach the skills, teach the cognitive, the, all these various portions, but really somebody could step in and oversee the progress administration level. So I came on board in that role. I've now been in that role for six years, uh, and we've uh, had a great run during that, those six years. We've implemented, implemented some new programs. We've partnered with a lot of different agencies, but um, as you just said a moment ago, this idea of recruiting or EMS as a career choice has really been something that's been at the forefront of what we're trying to do in Louisiana, uh, especially through my office in education. So and we'll drill down into your high school education program momentarily. Uh, but Julius? The short version is very interesting. I came into EMS indirectly as well. I grew up as an Air Force cadet and the older cadets when I was young, went to a college and got certified as EMTs. And for their certification, there was some sort of a badge they were allowed to wear on their uniforms. And I got jealous. I wanted to wear that badge. And I found out eventually that I had to go to school and all that sort uh, and became an EMT over the summer while I was in college. I never imagined what would happen next uh, in short order after I got out of college, though I had always imagined I'd spend my life on active duty in the military and maybe one day work in public safety, FEMA, something in EMS, my life got changed in a phone call. A member of Congress called me and asked me to come work for him. So I went from working on my ambulance, being in the guard in Texas, to being a newly minted congressional staffer in Washington, D.C. That began about a six or eight year adventure in politics. But along the way, I never let my license lapse. Uh, maybe I had the good sense to keep it, or maybe I decided I never wanted to have to take the test again. And came back to EMS uh, when an election result went a different way. The person I worked for didn't get reelected, and I had to find a new job. So I eventually came back to EMS through the National Institute of EMS, which at that time was a think tank here in Washington that also ran a training academy. One of the clients was the school system because I believe in 2009, the D.C. public schools had decided to reintroduce the EMS career field within their health science curriculum. Uh, 
and they assigned me to one of those schools. And fast forward a few years, the institute I was working for closed. The school district hired me directly, and I've been here ever since. They even went from one high school to two and then consolidated all of the schools into the one campus where I am now on Capitol Hill. And I've helped build it from an idea, something run by contractors, to a standalone EMS program accredited by the health department, but within the school itself. So that's fantastic. And we'll drill down into that again in a moment. But uh, you went from congressional aid to actually running an EMS program in the congressional district. And that's uh, pretty cool. And uh, uh, if you come to EMS on the Hill, and we'll have an ad for that in the mid-show break, you get a chance to meet uh, Julius and his amazing students. Uh, And I'm sure they'll be there on the Capitol steps with all of us when we get there. Now, in terms of setting up a high school program, and of course, the backdrop to all of this is we need to recruit uh, many people. We need to set this up as a career pathway. Obviously, COVID and you know, literally EMS funding has meant that people are either not coming into our profession or indeed are leaving our profession. And obviously, we need to find ways to recruit. It's the subject of many podcasts, many articles, many discussions. And obviously, you know, the youth of today are our future, and this is where you guys come in. And so in Louisiana, we have the High School EMS Education Program that's running, and obviously it's a statewide initiative. Uh, And so, John, give us an overview of that. Sure. Well, back in, to go a little bit further back to put the whole framework together, so back in 2001, the U.S. Department of Education put forward the No Child Left Behind Act. And that act prompted all high school districts and all state education programs to find ways to measure student achievement. And at the same time, they needed to make sure that they were grading the schools, the teachers, et cetera. And so every state was allowed to set up their own measuring uh, and evaluation system. Here in Louisiana, it was heavily focused, as in many states, on academic achievement for the high school students and and the students coming up. They were measured on standardized tests, and those tests primarily were all being geared towards a college preparatory track. Now, I'm going to fast forward a decade or so, and what ended up transpiring here in Louisiana was that there was recognition at the state level that in terms of education, not all of our students are pursuing a college prep pathway. We also heard a great deal from industry around the state relative to their needs for strong employees trained with industry-based certifications or what we call IBCs. Out of that grew an initiative where the State Department of Education put forward what they call Jumpstart Pathways, which now allow high school students the opportunity to pursue one of two options. They can go down a traditional college preparatory curriculum with electives that are geared toward putting them into the college environment. They also have an option to pursue what's called the Jumpstart Pathway. And in that pathway, there's a number of different career paths that they can select from that allow them to earn IBCs, those industry-based credentials, 
so that when upon the graduation from high school, they will be ready to work in a, the career field of their choice. So there's a medical pathway, there's an agricultural pathway, there's a construction pathway. Here in Louisiana, petroleum and industry is very big. So they have a number of options that were involved there. That's how EMS became directly involved with partnering and working with the State Department of Education for these high school programs. And we had a rough patch of that going forward with that. We found that, this is prior to my arrival, there were, we for generations, back even when I was in high school, we've offered first aid CPR in high school. Then some high schools offered first responder classes, really didn't carry much of a certification beyond their CPR card, but they at least were getting some basic first aid type of training. Unfortunately, when the, in order to promote these pathways and have high schools buy into them, these, if you could graduate a student from high school along these pathways, you were going to get points added to your school performance score. That goes back to that no child left behind measure. And so schools were trying to figure out ways that they could move themselves from being a C school to a B school or whatever the case may be. And they were looking for, in some cases, get quick rich schemes, if I can say that. They were trying to find what was the easiest way to improve my schools that's not going to cost me a lot of money that can be productive. And I won't mention the name or what office they were with, but during a meeting of principals and state administrators, an individual got up and said, if you want to improve your school, school performance score, the best method is to add an EMR class. The state of Louisiana, the Bureau of EMS does not charge high school students for those licenses. You need medical equipment. Every high school should do this. And it took off like wildfire across the state. Unfortunately, at that time, Louisiana did not really have a lot of a, a policy manual in place. They didn't have um, easy access to the policies and the rules. And so the high schools really ran wild with this. We also had a situation where over the course of several years, Louisiana went through several directors in the Bureau. We, my office in education had a lot of turnover. And so there was a lot of inconsistency. And we had high schools that were thinking this was a free, get out of jail free card. They were taking special ed students and throwing them in there. They were taking students that had that were freshmen in high school at 13 years old and throwing them up there and giving them licenses. And when Susan brought me on board to take over the education section, one of the first directives I received was go clean this up. And so we immediately jumped on that. We've put in a lot of place policies to improve quality, and we can discuss more about that later. But that's the general evolution. We ended up going from this situation where high schools were using it all over the place, not understanding what it really was for. And we've now taken the opportunity, we've partnered very carefully with our counterparts in the Department of Education, and we've developed a rich program that focuses on quality and has really taken, made tremendous strides in uh, promoting EMS as a career choice and building quality EMS workforce, both within the EMS field, but also in other fields that EMS contributes to. So 
we're very proud of that. So in simple terms, we have a state-administered, monitored, and regulated uh, EMS training program for our high school students. And so that's clearly something. And one of the things I want to give, hopefully with your blessing, everyone as the takeaway, of course, is the state manual. Uh, we'll make sure that goes in the show notes. So if anybody else is interested in doing this on the state level, then there is a reference that you can immediately uh, look at and uh, hopefully maybe get in touch with you, John, uh, and we'll do the contact details at the end of the discussion, but uh, people can Absolutely. maybe refer back to you. So that's the state level. That's setting up how a system should be run far or come all the way down to the high school level. And we come back to you, Chief Julius Jackson. So you've got this going on in your school in Washington, D.C. Uh, so describe the program that you're actually running and obviously the certifications that people get at the end of it. So the way the programming works in the District of Columbia is that statewide, so to speak, we have more than 18 different career technical education pathways. Many people will, might understand the term of art of uh, vocational training. Now we call it CTE or career and technical training. Among those more than 15 pathways include health sciences. And within that, we are one of the campuses that offers health sciences. The way that it's offered in DC public schools is that we have a, a couple of tracks, a general health sciences track, a biotechnology track that includes more of an engineering focus. We have also a pathway leading to nurse aid and our campus that students over the course of their four years can prepare for and sit for the national EMT exam. So that's the basic way that we're organized. In the United States, and our area is no different, there are a couple of models to deliver high school trained or trained EMT training to high school students. Most places use a partnership between the school or the school system and the local community college. Others have a partnership with the fire department and then a very few like ours do it entirely in-house. We don't have EMS available at our local community college or, and the fire department has a training for young adults but not high school students. So we are it for high school students in the District of Columbia. And our program is organized at a regular neighborhood high school. There are no special requirements to get into the high school. And it's the, one of the capstone experiences for seniors in our Academy of Health Sciences. As seniors, they can either go into a biomedical sciences internship where we place them in one of the healthcare employers in our area, or they can come the clinical path with me and spend their last year of high school being trained to become an EMT. But we issue and train around a number of co-requisite courses. It isn't as if they arrive in August and only study EMS. Because it is motivational and we want them to be reinforced in professional standards and industry certifications, the students progress over a number of what we call stackable certifications. The very first week they begin with first aid and community CPR. We move into CPR for healthcare providers as we move along and we offer additional certifications, for example, using the FEMA independent study program, using what we think of as card courses like Stop to Bleed, and ending with the certification exam, depending on where they perform as either EMTs or EMRs, emergency medical responders. That's amazing. And uh, before we carry on, we're just going to stop and listen to this message. 
Since 2010, EMS on the Hill Day has brought EMS professionals together in Washington, D.C. to advocate for the needs of our patients and the EMS profession. Join us on Capitol Hill from April 17th and 18th, 2024, to visit with congressional leaders and staff to help them understand the needs of EMS in our communities and states, especially during this critical time. We'll begin with a pre-Hill briefing to meet as a group hear the details of our request to Congress and answer questions. Hill Day includes both seasoned advocates and first-time EMS advocates, so it's a great opportunity to network, learn, and gain insight on the federal legislation and its impact on state legislative efforts. Register today. The fee is only $20, which includes two receptions and congressional scheduling services. Thank you for that message. You may well recognise the voice of uh, today's uh, ad reader. And uh, Julius, thank you very, very much for doing that for us. Now, did you realise that you can listen to us, this podcast, on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player FM and Samsung, to name but a few. So wherever you get your podcast, please make sure you like and subscribe. Now, if you're watching or listening to us on an iPhone, if you have a look at that iPhone, you'll see a little plus mark or a little uh, check mark. If you check that, it means you've liked, you've subscribed. And every time an episode drops, you get notification that we're here. Don't forget, NAMT Radio comes out every couple of weeks with the latest of goings-on events, people, politics, places, all across NAMT. Uh, so, I'm here with uh, Chief Julius Jackson, uh, EMS Program Director from Eastern High School in Washington, D.C., and John Cavell from the Bureau of EMS from the Louisiana Department of Health. Um, great first half discussion, gentlemen. Thank you for that. Uh, what I didn't get onto, though, is outcomes and statistics. Obviously, you've got great things going on in the state. You've got some great programs happening at the school level. Um, you know, do we have some outcomes that we can say that we've we've graduated or those folk that have gone on to other things, John? Absolutely. Absolutely. So here in Louisiana, our most recent statistics go back to not the current 23-24 school year, which is underway, but um, coming out of COVID, we of course saw a decline in our statistics. And also I'll add that in Louisiana, we require EMR as a prerequisite to being enrolled in a high school EMT class. That said, in Louisiana right now, over half of the high schools in Louisiana, half of the public high schools in Louisiana, have at least an EMR program at that high school. We last year, so this would be the 22-23 school year, uh, licensed over 3,000 EMRs across the state before they graduated high school. Um, we had we have about 25 high school EMT programs across the state of Louisiana. Out of that number, we had 106 that passed and took and passed those EMT programs at the high school level. We had 41 high school seniors that were EMTs before they walked nationally registered before they walked across the stage of graduation. Um, we're continuing to add to those EMT programs. Uh, but as I alluded to earlier, we put the brakes on some of these programs the way they were operated previously. So we've been really focusing on building up the quality. The numbers are growing significantly, especially coming out of COVID. But we see this growing significantly in the next several years as well. So we're real pleased with that. Uh, I don't know any EMS service 
in the United States that would turn away 41 applicants uh, that are nationally registered EMTs with the way the, the workforce looks right now. Um, the other thing I will add, because this is a statistic I like to brag about, is our high schools have the highest psychomotor passage rate of all of the education programs in the state of Louisiana. The high schools combined, we have a 100% national registry passage rate on the psychomotor exam. That, I think that's pretty remarkable. Um, so we're real proud of that. And again, these programs have been were redesigned, have been growing, seek some great things in the future. I, I know over at Eastern High School, I've heard of what Chief Julius is doing over there. So I'm certainly interested to hear his statistics. I don't want to take take anything away on that end. No, well, dare I say, uh, Julius, beat that. No, but uh, obviously, <laughs> I've, I've 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 seen the students standing on the steps. I've seen how motivated they are. I'm sure the results are, are very similar as well. So with our program, because the way it's laid out is a what the state would call a course of study, it can't just be a standalone EMT course. Uh, in terms of high school students, they have to complete several courses over the at least a three or four year pathway. So you can't just turn up only for that piece. But with that, and because you have to be 18 to apply for an EMT license in DC, it's restricted to students who are only who are 18 years of age. And you can imagine that is a little bit of a challenge in a high school because some students simply won't be 18 until after they graduate. But we consistently have 10 to 15 students a year, and we have done over the 10 years that I've been at Eastern High School. I think this is actually year number 10 right itself, and I was at the other campus for two years before. So we get 10 to 15 a year, uh, and we have a large number of those who go on to either fire departments, like especially in the volunteer fire service, as they figure out some of their future plans, or into the healthcare workforce. Uh, I'm very pleased that one of my recent graduates, I think in the last two years, not only went to our DC Fire Department Academy uh, for their cadet program, which serves people between 18 and I want to say 23 or 24 years of age, but he was the top graduate of that course for the Fire Academy. And another of my former students decided she was more interested in nursing and she just started as a graduate nursing student at Johns Hopkins last week with scholarships. So uh, the students are going on to do great things uh, in our local community and a little bit further afield. And, you know, one of the greatest values of an EMS program or, an e or you know, EMT or EMR in a high school is that for any young person who thinks they have an interest, even the slightest interest in a healthcare future, EMS is the baseline, the common denominator for every healthcare discipline and it gets you introduced to professional clinical standards and clinical medicine in a very tangible way and manageable way as a teenager that no other opportunity can do. So, and Rob, I, if, if I could add on to that, um, looking in Louisiana, we have very much similar situations with regards to what are the goals of these students if they get an EMS license in high school? What are their career goals for EMR or if they get an EMT? And it's interesting when we've looked at these students post high school graduation, what pathways they select and choose. So we typically find that the students that are taking this in high school, only about one third of them are pursuing EMS or fire after they graduate. And 
some people hear that statistic and they're, they're look at it and go, well, that's a disappointing number. But when we dig a little deeper, we realize that that's not something to be disappointed in. Yes, we'd probably like to get more, but you look at the other two thirds. One third of them are pursuing, they're going into the college pathways. They're going to college. They got the EMR, the EMT license. They're using it as a stepping stone. We're okay with that. They're going and pursuing nursing degrees. They're pursuing medical degrees. They're pursuing physical therapy, athletic training. It's wonderful that they're going to have that EMS background into those fields. Probably where most of our graduates go, and this is something that might be a little bit unique in Louisiana, is we have such a heavy industry-based workforce in Louisiana. A lot of the chemical plants, the petroleum plants, offshore platforms, all of these industries, many of them require their personnel to have these certifications. So we have high school students who are taking an EMR class. They're also taking a welding and, and engineering pathway, and they're using that EMR license as a way to give themselves a leg up when they want to go work in industry. So to echo Chief Julius said just a minute ago, this license is opening doors for them beyond just going to work for a fire department or working on an ambulance. There are tremendous opportunities for individuals out there that obtain these certifications. So I just want to quote something, quote your work back at you. And I think this really sums up the benefits uh, of running these programs. And it's actually the very front cover of the Louisiana Education Program Manual. And here's what it says. Emergency medical services is more than a ride to the hospital. It is a system of coordinated response and out-of-hospital medical care involving multiple people and agencies Emergency medical services is a career filled with excitement, rewards, and public service. Research indicates EMS practitioners enjoy the work they do, are committed to patient care, and value the educational and teamwork aspects of work life. What a fantastic forward that is. And uh, it really kind of just sums up the benefits you'll get from not only being a part of this class, obviously being mentored by some amazing people like Chief Jackson, who I'm looking at here, obviously setting up a network and friends and a career for lifetime. So there's a ton of benefits in doing this. And, you know, let me jump right in that too. Something we tell our students, and this is especially true when you have students who come from economically depressed areas anywhere in the United States, earning any EMS license gives that young person the power to change their families for generations by the economic benefits they will gain from working in EMS or using it as a stepstone to any other part of the wellness community and in healthcare occupations, bar none, bar none. I, you know, I have students, I have five of my former students who come to mind who are now case managers and social workers. That's one of the biggest needed career uh, or healthcare disciplines right now is behavioral health. And they started in EMS. They got the look at what it means to be responsible for caring for someone. They were able to figure out in high school whether or not they really are squeamish about blood and govern their career choices accordingly. Let me just mirror that because I'm going to name drop here. For the last year, I've had the absolute privilege and honor to not only get to meet, but to know and become friends with Chief John Moon from Freedom House. Um, and uh, that is exactly what he would tell me if he was sitting opposite me in the Zoom room now, Julius. Absolutely. 
And I have something I'd like to add to that as well. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with both Chief Jackson and, and uh, John Moon. These programs, I, I, you know, we started this interview a little while ago with the topic of recruiting the next generation. And I'm going to be honest, let's take a hard look real quick at what is EMS and where have we come in terms of a career. Relatively speaking, whether you're talking fire, police, medical, technology, engineering, education, any other pathway, EMS has essentially been around in its current form for about 50 years. We're an infant. We might, we're about to become toddlers, but we're still in the infancy. And you go through high schools. Again, I said earlier, I was a high school principal for, for a number of years. I worked as a district administrator. You have career fairs. You have all these recruiters that come into your school. You have events. You look at these career days. Every field was regularly represented. EMS was usually the one that wasn't there. EMS was not something that people regularly thought about as a viable option for a career path. They might know about the ambulance service. They know about a hospital, but they didn't think about the inner workings. It was something that was not at the forefront. Now, what we've seen in these high school programs is we are giving students a good, hard look at a career option. So maybe they don't take the high school EMR class and they don't take a high school EMT class. They may decide to go to college. They may decide to pursue another career path. But two, three, five years down the line, that seed's been planted. We are growing the respect for the field of EMS in a manner by which people look at it, respect it, and say, you know, that's something I want to do. And I think that's really going to be the key when we look at recruiting this next generation is making sure that they understand EMS is a viable career option, whether it's long-term career option or short-term as a stepping stone, it's a viable career option. And I think if you go back more than five, 10 years ago, that wasn't always the case. Those are some amazing sound bites, John, and I'm going to snip this up and use it going forward. So thank you for that. Um, as we come towards the end, I mean, uh, Julius, I mean, do you want to give us sort of your thoughts by way of a summary? And, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, hopefully you'll mirror what uh, John's just said, but uh, over to you. When we look at recruiting the next generation for any level of organization, where you, whether you're educators, whether you're in the legislative environment or the regulatory, regulatory environment, there are no negatives for building a youth serving or facing EMS training opportunity in your area. None. We've talked about how it leads to career opportunities. We've spoken to how young people can change the economic picture of their families. But on an even more practical level, young people can become empowered to help shape the wellness and longevity of their entire population by something as simple as knowing CPR in an emergency or knowing how to properly call help in an emergency. You also have a situation where even if they only touch on EMS for a moment, they remember it and carry forth that whether it's promoting it or speaking up almost in humor to say, you know, I went to an EMT course once and now look at me. I'm doing this, that, or the other thing, but the seeds are planted. And I would also encourage you to not be afraid to look younger. In the educator space, we are beginning to look at the statistics 
and the timetables by which young people set their minds for or against various career fields. And middle school is the time to have show and tell programs, to have partnerships with things like exploring for the scouting program where young people can get a taste of public safety careers and health services careers. So if you are listening to this and you are a community leader and you've always wanted to do this, as the kids would say at my school, don't be scared. Get out there and set up whatever you can. Arrange for the fire department to come to the school. Arrange for the CPR instructors to come to the church. When in doubt, do it and get any part of the EMS workforce into your community where they can see and be seen and people can learn that they too can be a part of this, especially if you're in a state that has a strong tradition of volunteering. Right next to us in Maryland, more than 70% of the emergency fire and ambulance service is provided by volunteers and has been for nearly 100 years. That's a powerful legacy. And in many of these communities, without those volunteers, they wouldn't have anyone else. So get out there and do it. Put it in front of your people and they will come. So you've touched on a major point there that uh, certainly we're seeing that volunteerism is waning. This is perhaps another good way of regenerating and recharging that as well. So in summary, everyone listening out there, does your state have a state-mandated, state-administered, state-run, state-initiative for uh, high school education programs? Is your local high school doing something? Well, you've heard from experts, our subject matter experts at both ends of those spectrums here today. I hope that you'll reach out and get in touch with them because, of course, they have some very clear ideas. Uh, we're going to put in the show notes some uh, some of the links that we've talked about. But before we go, uh, John, how can we get in touch with you if we need to? Sure, Rob. Probably the easiest way, I'll just give you my direct office line and my email. My direct office line is area code 225-925-7229. That's directly to my office. And uh, instead of trying to worry about everybody spelling my name for an email, we found an easier way. So to email my office, it is ems.education at la.gov. Excellent. Very memorable. Yeah, easy enough. And and certainly, I've actually had the opportunity to work with a couple of other states as they've grown some programs. Um, I am more than happy to offer any of our resources we have available. Um, More than happy to have a phone conversation, Zoom meeting. So anybody that may be interested, reach out, let us know. Julius. The best way to reach me, because I am in front of students basically all day long, is by email. And it's my first name and my last name. So Julius, J-U-L-I-U-S dot Jackson at K-12 dot D-C dot gov. That's fantastic. So uh, that's been another edition of NEMT Radio. Both John and Julius, uh, your thoughts and words have been inspirational. And as I said before, if you're listening and you want to start a program like this to help as I say, the youth of today to help the next generation develop, to instill confidence, to give them a vocational idea of what to do in the future. These are the guys to come and speak to in order to help you shape your thoughts and get a program going. So I thank you on behalf of NEMT for all of that. Um, And indeed, thank you for being guests on this edition of NEMT Radio. Thank you, Rob. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for all that you're doing in terms of keeping EMS at the forefront. We really do appreciate your effort. We're here to spread the word and that's what we're doing. So... That's been another edition of NAMT Radio. Don't forget, like and subscribe. 
All the resources will be in the show notes. Also, just visit uh, nemt.org where it's all there. Um, We'll see you at EMS on the Hill coming up shortly. And uh, I've been Rob Lawrence. This has been EMS Radio. And until next time, bye for now.